So I've been looking forward to this day and, and approaching it with a lot of prayer and a lot of study uh, because I'm convinced that the Word of God is our absolute sustenance and life. Um, and so opening it with you today is just, it's just an honor, a high honor. So I want to start uh, today by reading a few verses in a couple of different chapters in John. These are going to be the words of Jesus We're going to start in John chapter 8 and then jump to John 14. John chapter 8 verse 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In John 14 verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And later in verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Can we pray together? Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this place where we can gather, we can worship you and study your word and just sense your presence in a powerful way, God. The freedom to do that, Lord, we never take for granted. God, we are grateful. Lord, thank you for your presence that's here now. Lord, I pray you would prepare hearts to receive your word. Thank you for your anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit. We are dependent on you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about a word that the Lord put on my heart a couple of months ago, and that word is submission. Now, the word submission, I would say, is a pretty countercultural word in our world today. It really goes against the grain of culture to talk about submission to authority and especially to talk about submission to God's authority. Because see, culture right now, one of the biggest messages of culture is you be you. And what they mean by that is you just go ahead and pick your own truth, just develop that stick with that. And when it comes to uh, authority, when it comes to submission, you just submit to yourself and to what you think is right. But we know that this actually is not just a cultural issue. This is a sin issue at its very root. We are all born with a sinful nature. That's what the Bible teaches us. And sin at its root is selfish. Sin says, I can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, however I want. And sin actually rebels against the authority of God. So here's what we see today, how we see this play out in today's culture. So many people are trying to take pieces of what they think they believe, what they think they know, what feels best to them, and they're forming systems of values and beliefs on a framework of their own making. It has no foundation of absolute truth. And so their lives are crumbling. And I want to push just a little here because we live in a culture where even people who profess to be Christians are falling into this same trap. And here's the trap. That spirituality is some kind of cafeteria where we just go in and we pick and we choose the things that we want to believe, the things that feel good to us and the kind of Jesus we want to have in our lives. We just form him on our own tray of truth. And we think that that's going to bring us freedom. 
This lie actually supports the belief that we can call on Jesus as Savior, but then go ahead and live in whatever way feels best to us. And yet, this is sin, and this brings bondage, not freedom. Not freedom. Here's the truth. A life of submission to God is a life of true and lasting freedom. Amen? So if we, are going to, if we are going to want this freedom in our lives, we have to submit wholly and fully to him. And in those verses we read in John today, it says it's the truth that sets us free. Now, that was Jesus saying that, and he's not referring to some piece of information. Jesus is referring to himself. He says, I am the truth. It's Jesus that sets us free. Now, if we want this freedom, there are a couple of things I think we need to know about Jesus, okay? I want to establish those briefly, and then we're going to dig a little deeper. First, we cannot separate Jesus from his word. Let's look again at those verses in John and put together what Jesus is saying. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I am the truth and anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So it's both if you hold to my teaching and if you know me because you cannot separate the two. Listen, there is an all out war against the Bible today an all-out war to dismantle its authority as absolute truth. But Jesus can't be separated from this. We cannot pull out the parts that we like about him and leave the rest. We cannot claim to know him and to be a follower of him, and then the ways that we live contradict his very words. If we believe in Jesus, if we put our faith in him, then we put our faith in his word as the absolute ultimate authority. Now, the second thing we have to know is we cannot receive Jesus as Savior and not as Lord. It's both Savior and Lord. In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So true salvation is repentance and a turning away from sin, but it's an acceptance of lordship in our everyday lives. You see, we live in this culture that wants us to believe that our freedom is found in being able to do whatever we would like to do and what we think is good and right, but true freedom True soul-redeeming salvation is a life submitted to Jesus as both Savior and Lord and a submission to his word as the ultimate authority in life. And that is where you will find that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Amen. Now, to understand this more fully, we have to go back to the beginning, back to where sin entered the world. Because if we, uh, we got to know that this is not just some new cultural issue, okay? There's been a war on truth since the very beginning. 
Um, so before we pass this off as a cultural problem, let's go back to the word and see what it says and ask the Lord to help us apply it to our own lives. So we're going to go to Genesis 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And now here, this is what we call the fall of man. This is sin's entrance into the world, and sin would be and still is what separates us from God. So let's look at the tactics of the enemy here to entice Eve. The first is, he says, did God really say? He wants Eve to question God's word. Now, we're not going to deep dive here for long, but can I just say, Questions are not bad, okay? Questions do not scare God. Your big life questions are not a bad thing. It's what you do with those questions that will either lead you into bondage or into freedom. If you attempt to answer them outside of the truth of Jesus, the enemy will use them to absolutely destroy you. If instead you take your questions. We all have them. You take them to the word of God and to faithful, godly counsel. Then you will find freedom. So let's look at what Eve does. Let's go back and see. She does actually respond with God's word back to him. In verse two, she says, we may eat of the fruit uh, from the trees in the garden, but we can't eat the fruit here. So she responds with what God said. What is the serpent reply. You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat it from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the devil's next tactic is to dig a little deeper, to make Eve question God's motives. He tries to convince her that God must be holding out on her. Now, how many of you in the room are parents? Parents? Lots of parents. Okay. So when our kids are born, they practically know nothing, right? <laughs> um, and so they depend on us for everything. And we just, we love them so much. And so we want to do what's best for them. So with our knowledge, we put into these uh, boundaries, these rules, these things to help keep them on the right path, really to keep them safe. Um, now, how many of you have kids that always do exactly what you say because they fully trust that you know what's best? Okay, me neither. <laughs> so an example of this, just this past weekend, my daughter Audrey, she um, had come home from a sleepover. We had been out at some family's house celebrating the 4th of July on, on Sunday night, and we didn't leave until almost 1030, so she got to bed probably by midnight. And then I find out she wakes up at 6 a.m. because children that go to bed later get up earlier. 
I do not understand it. Those of you with teenagers keep telling me it will change one day. You will not be able to get them out of bed. I'm just telling you that sounds really good right now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, she had come home, and it was obvious. Okay, now all the room, all the parents in the room can testify when it's like really obvious that your kid needs a nap, and so. I begin to explain to Audrey, hey, sis, listen, you uh, had a great time last night. We celebrated big. You got to stay up late with Lexi. It was so fun. And then you got up really early this morning, so you really had a short night of sleep. And then you guys went swimming, and man, the sun just really takes it out of you and wipes you out. And we're actually going to go celebrate some more tonight, so you really need a nap. To which she very tearfully responded, I I'm not tired, which is further, you know, confirmation that she's exhausted. So after a little bit more conversation, which eventually just led to, all right, sis, this just isn't a choice. Um, We're going to go take a nap now. So I tuck her in. It's not even a minute and she's out like a light. And for about the last half hour of her nap, of her hour and a half nap, by the way, um, I had laid down next to her and rested. And when she woke up, she looked at me and I said, you feel better? Yeah. I said, does mommy know what's best? Yeah. (laughs) You see, Audrey didn't want to take a nap because she was afraid of missing out on something. And this is the tactic that the enemy uses here with Eve. He convinced her God doesn't know what's best. In fact, God's holding out something good from you. There's something that you are going to miss out on. If you submit to God in his ways, like hold straight to the line, you're going to lose out. You're not going to have any fun. You're going to miss out on some friends. If you step out and do what God's calling you to do, you're risking a lot. And you're going to lose. And God's just holding something good back from you. Now listen to her reasoning. In that last verse, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, so she reasons with herself, it's food. I need food. It was pleasing to the eye. It looks good, so it must be good. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. If I take part in this, I'll get that thing that God thinks he's holding out on me, something good. So she takes some She eats it. Pride kicks in, saying, I know what's best. I've got this. She chose to trust in her own reasoning over the heart of the Father. And hasn't that been the continued tactic of the enemy in lives ever since? To use pride and selfishness to convince us into believing the lie that we can just master our own lives with our own set of rules to convince us that if we do exactly what God says to do, then we're going to miss out on something. Eve did not trust the heart of the Father. She didn't trust his character and his nature. And when we choose our own way, that's sin. And the root of that sin is actually a lack of trusting God to be who he says He is. A life of submission requires that we trust 
God. But the only way to trust him more is to know him more. Now, this reminds me of a New Testament passage in Luke, Jesus' teaching. And there are many people following him, along with the 12, but many others. And several began complaining that his teaching was too hard. It was too difficult. So Jesus, of course, is aware of this grumbling that's happening. And he turns and he says, does this teaching offend you? I mean, he just comes right out and asks. I love Jesus. Does this offend you? And that day, many of them walked away in that offense. And after they did, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he asks, you don't want to leave me too, do you? And listen to Peter's response. God, may we have the heart of Peter in this moment. He looks at Jesus and says, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter Peter didn't say, well, you know what? No, we're good. We're good. We actually understand everything you're saying. Everything totally lines up. I can reason with it. I can put it all together. I got this. In fact, it's pretty easy. I don't know what their problem is. It sounds pretty easy. That's, That's not his response. Instead, he recognizes who he is with. His relationship with Jesus had built a trust in who he was, which meant that even when things didn't make perfect sense, even when they were hard and difficult and he had to work some of that out, Peter knew that he was trustworthy and that his words were life. And he says, where else am I going to go? This is what Jesus calls you to. This is what he calls us to is a relationship with him that grows deeper where we trust him more and we take those steps to follow him even when it doesn't all make sense, even when it's tough, even when it doesn't agree with the thousands of opinions we hear, even when we have to swallow our pride, even when we have to give something up, may we respond like Peter doesn't matter. Where else am I going to go? So how do we know him more? How do we step into this relationship more? We spend time with him. We spend time in his word. We study his word. We meditate on his word. And the good news is we are not alone in this When Jesus left this earth, he said, I'm going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, and that's a deposit inside of you. And the word says that he will lead us into all truth. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the greatest example of submission that we have is Jesus himself. The Bible talks about Jesus' submission in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. But to give you a little context, the chapter before in Hebrews 11, the writer um, pens the hall of faith, what we call the hall of faith. It's the chapter where the writer talks about many of the great people of faith throughout the Old Testament. Um, And by living by faith, that means they were in full submission to God. They weren't perfect 
But at every turn, they chose God's way above their own. Talks about Noah and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. In fact, at one point, finally, the writer says, I can't go on and list many more men and women of faith that all did amazing exploits, living their lives for God. Now, their lives on earth didn't all turn out exactly the same way. But it says they weren't looking to earth for the fulfillment of the promise of God. They were not looking to this country, but to a country of their own. They were looking to heaven. So they knew that it was worthy, that God was worthy of every ounce of who they were on this earth. And so now with all of that in mind, in Hebrews chapter 12, the very next verse says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? These people of faith that if they could bend over heaven today and shout anything to you today, it would be, it is worth it all. So in light of this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus himself, who is God, submitted fully to the Father's will. He stepped down out of heaven, out of the perfection and the glory of God. And he stepped into this very broken world because he trusted the heart of the Father. He lived fully submitted to him every day of his life, right up to the night before he was crucified. And we see him in the garden in great agony. And he says, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass because he knows what's coming. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Holy and fully submitted to God, even unto death. So why does Hebrews say to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer? Because a pioneer goes before. A pioneer paves the way. And we know that Jesus did make the way where there was no way to the Father. But he also did so to set an example for us. He shows us that with full trust and full confidence, And knowing that God is who he says he is, that even in the agonizing moments of pain and anguish as he's hanging on the cross, he even calls out, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't waver. He could have got down off that cross. He never wavered. In fact, he trusted the heart of the Father, but he also had an eternal perspective. And I think we can all learn from Jesus today about this eternal perspective. Hebrews says that for the joy set before him, he endured. 
There is a promise that goes beyond this life that nothing can compare to. So in light of this, what is our call? This verse lines right up with what Pastor Ron preached last week. It does. When he started preaching on grit and determination, my spirit just lit up because I knew what was coming this week. Hebrews says, this life of submission is a life of grit. You throw off everything that gets in the way of living out the life that God has for you in full submission. Get rid of it. It's not worth it. Only he is worthy of our full lives. So this is where we would say, don't lose heart. The word of God is saying, don't back down. When temptations rise, when difficulties come, when you're tempted to be swayed to the left or the right, even just a little bit, don't compromise. It's not worth it. Even when it hurts, even when it's hard, when it doesn't make sense, We can trust who Jesus is. He is the author and the perfecter. He is the beginning and the end. He is the same God, the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He will be faithful now. So no matter what he asks of me to submit, I would just say, where else would I go? Of course you have the words of eternal life so I can trust that no matter what you ask of me it is for my good and your glory submission is that daily walk with Jesus it's the daily decisions and in relationship with Jesus the word of God in John chapter 1 says Jesus came as the word wrapped in flesh where grace met truth There is grace for you to walk in truth. So if Jesus says to me, repent, I'm going to repent. If he says, change my attitude, I'm going to change my attitude. If he says it's time to go apologize, I'm going to do it. If he says, stop right there, don't go any farther, I won't take another step. I will follow every step knowing that the Father's heart for me is for my good and his glory. Where else would I go? Would everybody stand with me in the presence of God and go ahead and close your eyes. We live in a world that's so loud. I mean, the enemy of our souls has been loud from the beginning, but gosh, Now there's endless outside sources of of media and information right at our fingertips. The opinions and the thoughts of every person you could ever even want to know right down to the thoughts of our own minds and hearts. It can be really loud. The enemy of your soul would like to use every source of noise to frustrate you, to confuse you, to take you out. But today, Jesus is calling you to freedom. He is not the author of confusion. He is the author and perfecter of faith. Maybe you've been so distracted by the noise and by the chaos of the world that you haven't been leaning into Jesus as the Lord of your every day. And today, you're ready to get your focus back on Jesus and submit yourself wholly to him. 
this altar is open to you. Maybe you've called on him as Savior, but you haven't really submitted your whole life to him as Lord. And as the full leader of all that you are, this altar is open for you. Maybe there's a part of your life, and you already know it. The Holy Spirit is convicting your heart even now. You already know. You've held that back from the Lord, that hurt, that pain, that frustration, that way of doing life, that thing you're stepping into, that you know you got to give it up. you got to let it go. you got to follow his leading, and you're ready to trust that he knows what's best. And so in that trust, you take a step of obedience to the altar today. Maybe you've never even accepted Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. This altar is open to you. And maybe you just need to seek the Lord. You've been following the Lord for a long time, but this is stirring something in your spirit that says, Holy Spirit, I want to be more surrendered to you today than ever before. If you want to just spend time seeking the Lord, this altar is open for you. We're going to go back into that chorus of of the same God. He is the same God. We can trust that he who is faithful then will be faithful now. As they sing it, come to the altar if that's you today. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faith. You are 
we stand here on the faithfulness of who you are. God, for the hearts in the room that are full of questions, Holy Spirit, meet them today and lead them into all truth, just as your word says. God, for the hearts in the room that are finding themselves in a place that it's difficult, that they must give up or let go. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that the power and presence of who you are would so overwhelm who they are that they would cry out, what else can I do? Where else can I go? I must follow the one who is the truth and who has the words of eternal life. Jesus, we surrender ourselves to you today, God. Holy and fully submitted to who you are. And as we walk out these doors today, God, we know that by the power of your Holy Spirit in us, that we can take steps that are in step with the Holy Spirit. God, that we can walk out this life in freedom, not because of what we've done, but because of who you are. You call us to a place of obedience. And when we step out in obedience, you are right there with everything that we need for life and godliness, everything that we need. So God, for those hearts that have been drifting from the lies of the enemy, we speak truth and life over them today, God, so that as they walk out of here, they don't walk out the same. But Lord, they walk out empowered by the Holy Spirit to know that the word of God is life and that you, Jesus, came to set them free. And God, that as they step out in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that their lives will be a total journey of faith, of submission, of freedom, and of making a difference until your kingdom comes to reign forever. God, empower us this day. Lord, there are people outside of these walls that don't know you, people in the circles around us that need this truth, that need you, Jesus. May we be the carriers, may we be the salt and the light so that the freedom that we experience is a testimony of the person of Jesus who is grace and truth who walks us through difficulty, but we come out on the other side victorious. May we walk in that and may we lead others into that truth this week. We go empowered by your Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. We are submitted to you. And it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give God glory? one more time. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is faithful, and you can go today knowing that he's the same God, and he walks with you. We love you so much, and we will see you soon.